So this, and sorry, you're gonna have to go to room mic here, Alan. Um, this summer, we've been doing a summer outreach series titled what? Heroes. As we have been in what chapter of Hebrews? 11, that is the perfect segue into chapter 12. Before we look at 12, who are some of your favorite heroes that we've discussed? Out of chapter 11? Wow, it's been incredible teaching. <laughs> so we've got Noah. Moses. Who? Start with that. Samson. Without faith, it is what? Possible to please God. Samer preached about the idea that we are aliens and strangers, and that those who might have been looking for a better country would not have followed the Lord, but they weren't looking for something better. They were looking for what the Lord had for them, and that required sacrifice, that required service, that required trusting, and it required faith. Have you ever asked yourself why commit a whole chapter to a bunch of individuals that lived before the time of Christ? The patriarchs, as they're called. Why is it that the writer of Hebrews would bring these individuals and highlight their life into Scripture so that it would be read over and over, studied over and over for the duration of the church? Why? Not rhetorical? Let's give some theories. Encouragement. Encouragement towards what? Following Christ. Following Christ. Great point. Why don't I just follow Christ? Why do I need to look back to these other individuals? Examples. Examples. Have you ever been at the spot and the point in your spiritual walk where you just say, I get it. I get it that John tells us in order to um, <coughs> truly do this right, we need to walk as Christ walks. Right? We are to be Christ-like. But we know our fallibility. We know our sin. We know our struggles. We know that He is Christ. We are not. And yet we also know, and we've talked about out of John where he says in the high priestly prayer or in John 15 or in other areas, he's talking about the, thought, the fact that he does nothing apart from the Father. And he says, as I am in the Father, you need to what? Remain in who? In me. So there is an expectation by Christ that we follow that. And you're going to see the key to all this in Hebrews 12. I have been working to this passage in our summer outreach series. This is the third act, as they say. So let's read. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer uses... A key word here. What is the very first word? Therefore. Therefore. Now, I'm not going to do 
the justice of doing the thing you've heard so many times by so many pastors. You all already know it, so I don't need to repeat it. Let's just get to the point. If he's saying, therefore, what is he pointing to? And what has already been said? Example upon example upon example upon example of those who as humans, redeemed humans, who called God their Father, step out in what? In faith. Hopefully you have been hearing that all summer long. To step out into areas that, oh, wait, oh, it's there. It, it's getting, it was scary for a moment, and I just cracked out four. <laughs> but I'm not dead yet. That was what's called an illustration. And my point is, is sometimes we hear the stories are great. Makes sense for Moses. But for us to do this, especially when we feel those first few, first few inches where there's nothing there, like, oh, God, God, you're sending me there! Sometimes God requires more and more and more. And sometimes he needs to jolt us a little bit, so he lets us fall just a little bit. Why? Because Hebrews 11 speaks over and over about a people that found their dependency on God. I don't have time to go into it, but look later in chapter 12, and you'll see some great uh, statements and descriptive and picturesque language about the people gathering at the foot of Mount Sinai. And the holiness of God, and understanding the power of God. And to hold on to that and live accordingly, he gives example upon example upon example. And he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, if we have been dealing with all this, and if we, as we have been looking at this, there's been a reason. Let me say this again. This is the summer, what? with endurance the race that is set before us. Sounds really good. Are you live streaming this early? Joy that was set before here. Yeah. <laughs> there. I apologize. No worries. That was scripture, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'll just shut up and get out of here. You know what's encouraging about that? That means Nancy has that app on her phone. And I would suspect she uses that for her own devotional time. Right? That, that's inspirational. That's ins Don't any of you do it. <laughs> Especially <laughs> not at church. <laughs> but, um, okay, where was <laughs> So, the writer gives this list of individuals that we can look at as examples. Because we need examples, brothers and sisters. We need them. But as we started this summer outreach series, it's been fascinating. I didn't play out at the beginning what my focus was. How many of you remember that this was a summer mountain trip? Good. Good. May I? Victor, wave, wave your hand. Victor came in and met with me last week? Uh, week before. Week before. And just shared with me his journey in, in, in following Christ. 
And he talked about how at first he wasn't really getting this, and Garrett was walking through all of this with him and having great conversations. And this Victor shared with me, you know, this whole thing where you're using this illustration, this story. You know, at first I, I was like, what? What is? What do you mean by that? What's going on? And so he shared with me that he went back and listened to every single sermon on the series. And it all started to connect for him. And have I got that right? It all started to connect for him. And the light of Christ came into victory. Now, 
Now that you have that example, fix your eyes on that. Jesus Do not swerve to the left. Do not swerve to the right. Hold to him as your example. You're saying, where's it saying? He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In two hours, I get to preach this passage in the morning service. Today is Outreach Sunday. Guess what I'm doing for Outreach? So pray about that. Because Christ is our example. But if we just look at Christ and we're held back because we might sin, and we wear sin, and we carry the weights, we cannot run. We cannot run with endurance. Do we understand? So let's do something about it. Rather than being comfortable with the sin, rather than being comfortable with just going through the process, but not looking at Christ, not looking the way Jesus did it, but arguing and bickering about things that Satan wants to get us distracted by. Turn to Luke 15 as I finish today. Actually, as you turn there, I'm going to tell you why we're about to do what we're about to do. I hinted at it a little bit. I think I pulled a muscle when I was yelling. <laughs> I think it's that combined with the music. Wow. This is a good workout today, Gary. I'm just kidding. Seriously. I'm going to stretch. I'm cramping up. I actually do have a pain. Do you understand what I just did? That was self-effacing, that was kind of silly. I got to break the tension because these were intense there for a minute. If you're not getting cramped and running a spiritual race, you're not running. Okay? So let's get to this idea of mentioning people because in a moment we're going to talk about CBC heroes. I mentioned earlier from the front of the stage, how many of you really want to be recognized in front of people? I had this discussion multiple times this week. And everybody says, no, I don't want to be recognized. But the reality is, if we're supposed to be humble, we're not supposed to point to ourselves, then, Pastor, you're in sin by exalting people. Amen? Oh, your silence is telling. Let me just read something to you out of Colossians 4. Tychicus, I get an A right there. You should just go home and be happy with that. I can pronounce that. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. Big deal. Bully for Tychicus. He's going to go home and he's going to tell people what happened. But that's not where Paul stops. He says he is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. Where is this written? How many times has this been read? And what's fascinating is that it will, Paul will request that it's read out loud. Not just to those in Colossae, but in, I think it's Laodicea. And yet he is exalting, edifying, encouraging the work of God through Tychicus. He says, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that you may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning 
uh, whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, did you know there was another Jesus in the New Testament? Who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among whom my fellow workers, <coughs> among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Because those individuals were the only ones of Jewish descent that stuck with Paul. He's talking about their loyalty. He's commending them publicly for their loyalty when it could cost them their lives and they're actually in prison. And he goes on, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heriopolis, Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, and uh, as does Demas, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and in Nympha in the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read from the letter of Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this reading with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. This is why edification is one of our five keys. This is why in a moment when I go through the CC heroes, you need not worry about us exalting man. It is a recognition like Paul is. The whole first chapter of Thessalonians does the same thing. Now let me give you an explanation as to why we did the... Turn to Luke 15. You did not already there. Why did I do what I did? Have you ever had to explain yourself to your parents? Or the police? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> So I've had an interesting month because I've had multiple people come to me saying, Pastor, I don't understand what you're preaching. It doesn't make any sense. Seems like you're really consumed with movies and not Jesus Christ. Let me help you understand why I choose to do what I do. Remember, we're supposed to fix our eyes on who? Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Do you understand that every illustration I do is meant for you? Because Angel's sitting back there, and she's like, what? What? I don't understand these big words, Pastor Jeremy. I've got, I've got Malachi over here, and, and he's just like, what? What? And he's like, he's doing scripture. He's looking at scripture on his phone. <laughs> and uh, just a great follower of Jesus. Uh, you laugh. I should have picked on you guys. Because I have a multiple variety of people here. I have a blessing of going and doing memorial service for a guy that said, I don't ever want to step inside the church. And he came here and he connected with the preaching. That preaching may not have been directed at I form my preaching after Jesus Christ. And then I style my preaching after a mentor of mine who was authentic. A lot of my preaching wouldn't pass muster in a lot of places. But I want to share with you now what we've been doing for two and a half months. What is in your pastor's heart? This was the summer of life. Outreach series. I left the 99. Do you 
you understand. We had a two and a half year series of exposition in Acts. I left the 99 for the one. Luke 15, Jesus is being questioned about what he's saying. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he quoted Isaiah 52, 5 through 19. How many Bibles say that? How many Bibles say he quoted Hosea 4, 7 through 9? How many of your Bibles say he quoted, he quoted the Pentateuch? Jesus was the master storyteller. Because people are able to connect the biblical principle often through story. Jesus told para. It's kind of fun just to do para. I, I want to go as far with, with Gary sitting right here. It reminds me of dove bowls. Dove bears. <laughs> so I want to say pair of bears. That doesn't flow. Let's get to the scripture. Here's what Jesus said. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after that one that is lost until he finds it? What is he doing? He could have answered them from scripture. Could he not? Does he sometimes do that? Absolutely. But you think about all the times Jesus uses a parable, he's telling a story so that the people in front, the audience, can relate. How often do those people understand the wholeness of the parable? Some of them didn't, and Jesus couldn't care less. Because what does the parable say? Going after the one, not the ninety-nine. That concludes the summer outreach series. Brothers and sisters, you have to take risks if you want to do outreach. You have to be willing to take some heat. You have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. But you need to stay within the will of God. Amen. Amen. You do not walk up and just tell a story and leave them hanging on the stories without giving them some understanding. This morning we're going to conclude. Wow, hallelujah. That was supposed to be five minutes. That was six, right? It's impossible. Yours was a Christmas miracle. At the bocce court. Yes, that was six minutes. That was a Christmas miracle. Christmas early. Um, I have two things I want to show you. We're going to conclude just like we started. Hebrews 11, that great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12. 12, 1 and 2 and 3 are the conclusion on the matter, brothers and sisters, of the entire sermon series. Run with that. Apply it. Use it. Transform your life through it. Now, I'm going to follow that person's example, and we're going to highlight some individuals here. That doesn't mean that they wanted to be highlighted. They're, they don't. They were nominated by someone else. Not only that, there are many that should be nominated. So if you're sitting there saying, oh, I need to get nominated. You know what? Your treasure's in heaven, brother. Okay? The first one, let's put it up there. Alan Hammond. Woo! 
things, we need to just, we need to get it out there. Here's the nomination speech. I did not write this, although that's a nice picture of Alan and I. My head is huge. Alan's standing like 10, 15 feet behind me. So, but, you know, the lower picture is truly what, what Alan's being nominated for. So this person writes, the man I'd like to nominate literally has the church's back every Sunday. He stands behind us every Sunday filming. Alan Hammond has stood behind us helping to share God's word for 10 plus years now. What you may not know is he also spends many hours after church making sure our service is shared in multiple ways. That's not the only way this amazing man serves our church. He is devoted to God our church, and his family, as well as being a generous and humble man. So humble, in fact, he wouldn't want to be nominated. So, Alan, thank you for being an example and uh, of Christ and faithfulness and stepping out in faith. And um, we can applaud for God's work. The second nominee is not here. I'd like to thank the Academy, my mother, my father, all the good people that made this come about. Uh, the second person is Sandy Cornish. So a friend of hers wrote this. And this is just one individual, and I'll share it, and then you're going to see it. This is just such a privilege. This is such a privilege. I filmed this during our fall festival, not knowing when it would be used. And you're going to see, the beauty of this is you're going to see a CBC hero actually do what she's nominated for. Ready? So this individual that nominated her said she's very generous, very big-hearted, loyal, always willing to help, has helped many people financially and many times anonymously. Every year, Sandy travels to Washington State to help an old friend put on a large event. I want you to understand why that matters. It is not easy for Sandy to move. Excruciatingly painful. And when I saw her during VBS, she was here during the week helping put things together. And she was here, and I could just tell it was hard. And I talked to her, and she said, it's for my grandson. I'd do anything for my grandson so that he can hear Jesus. Um, twice a week, she teaches English to an Asian student. When that student goes home to her country, Sandy will get up at 4 a.m. to continue to work with her online on Skype. She's very compassionate. Duh. That's a theological term for your right. She's very compassionate. While Sandy was an ICU nurse, she had the reputation of being the best. She spent a few weeks in Kenya on a mission as a public health nurse. While there, she met a young man who wanted to become a nurse. Sandy has paid for his education, enabling him to reach his goals. Brothers and sisters, do you feel more edified and encouraged knowing that someone in our church family is doing that? There are so many that are doing that. And if we, if we don't bring that up, how can we enjoy the encouragement of the goodness of what the church is doing? Because I'll tell you, there's plenty of people that tell us how we're doing it wrong. 
She's such an amazing woman. Let's roll this video. I love these glasses. I just wanted to say thank you, God, for being able to meet Christian brothers and sisters anywhere that I go. I had the privilege of meeting a lady outside of Whole Foods in Las Vegas a few weekends ago. Her name was Gwen. And I walked past her carrying a bag of tangerines that I just bought. And for some reason, God talks to me sometimes, and he said, ask that lady if she'd like some of those tangerines. And so I offered her some. Would you like some of these tangerines? I just bought them. They're delicious. So she took some, and I, she said, uh, and I said afterwards, I said, God bless you, and well, I started walking away. And she said, Are you a believer in Christ? And I said, Oh, she said, Would you pray with me? And I had the most, I got the most. Look at this verse because it represents. Oh, we, here we go. Because God working through people encourages us. Amen. That's the only reason. We're not elevating anybody over one another. You know that. And there are so many others. So many. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses today. You should get to know Michael Stanley more. You really should. They're tremendous people. Tremendous people. On and on and on. You should get to know Linda and Tony. On and on and on. You've got to know Nancy Camilleri and her devotional song already. We'll always remember this service is back, Nancy. It was fantastic. <laughs> 